Welcome to the SI Farmer Podcast, a podcast where we talk business, marketing, strategy, tactics, community. But today's a little bit different. When we started to launch our farming community, SIFarmer.com, we looked at, I wanted to find ways we could help our community. And so we dug into a lot of statistics. And one of the statistics that we kept seeing showed farmers and ranchers in the top five. And depending on how the statistics are calculated, you remember farming and ranching is an occupational category. It's an industry category. But a lot of times farmers and ranchers are miscategorized as self-employed. And so I've seen this number as high as we were number two, and this is a really disturbing number, and this is not a list that we want to be on. And I want to discuss the reasons and the things that we as a community can do to help. Let's get into it. I have a love-hate relationship with marketing. Really? I've got to do what? All I want to do is farm. Welcome to the SI Farmer Podcast. If you want to market your farm, farm farm-based business, or craft food business directly to the consumer, this is the place for you. Welcome to the show. So my daughter comes home from work the other day. She's a nurse at the local hospital, and we live in a small farming community in, in Illinois. And she comes home, she tells this joke, and I just laughed. I thought it was pretty funny, but it was funny because I probably know 10 guys. I could stick their name, probably include myself in there, and it's funny. And the joke goes something like this. There's a young nurse. She's just started at the hospital, and she's uh, checking a patient in, getting ready to admit them. And she gets, you know, she's asking all of the the nurse-type questions, you know, Daria, do you have... You know, you have any medical allergies, you have insurance, all the things that you have to ask as a nurse admitting a patient. Well, she gets done and she's got a couple questions. So she goes to her boss, her charge nurse and says, ma'am, what do I do? And, you know, she says, well, tell me about the patient. And young nurse says, well, so the farmer was out working on his fence and started having some pain and thought he better, you know, thought he better come to the hospital. Well, the charge nurse looks at her and says, well, is his wife out there with him? Young nurse looks at her and says, no, ma'am, he's here by himself. And charge nurse's eyes open a little wider and she, you know, gets, you know, a little more concerned and says, well, did you ask his pain level? And I need to know exactly what he said. The young nurse thinks for a minute. She says, well, I did. I did ask him his pain level. And his response was, I'm here, ain't I? The charge nurse, her eyes start to get a little panicky, and she says, well, this is the really important question, and, and I need to know this is this is critical. And the young nurse says, well, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I, I'll tell you. And the, says, Did he finish the fence? And the young nurse says, no, ma'am, he I don't think so. He came in here and the charge nurse starts yelling, barking orders. We've got an emergency here. We need to run, run, run. Well... That joke's funny, but it's funny because it's it, it fits so many people that, that I know. Heck, you could probably include me in that. But it illustrates the point that we farmers, ranchers, cowboys, we like to be self-reliant. 
pride ourselves on being self-reliant. Asking for help, man, you only ask your, you know, you don't ask for help. Guy can't do the job on his own, doesn't need to be doing it. And I have my challenges that I, 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 you know, I, I started this late in life and I, I ask a lot of questions. I ask for a lot of help, mostly in information. I need, need help with what do I do here? What do I do there? But, you know, that joke illustrates our independence. And the, the list that I talked about at the beginning came from the CDC and it was farmers and ranchers are 3.5 times more likely to commit suicide than the rest of the general population. This is a scary number. Um, You know, we were in the top five of all industries for risk of suicide. And, depending on how you see that classification of that industry classification, I've seen that number as high as number two. And I wanted to talk, because I think this is such an important issue, mental health is such an important issue that I really wanted to spend a little bit of time and talk about it. I know it's not about, I know it's not a, a thing that you talk about in marketing, but you know what? If we're having mental issues, we can't run good businesses. And if we can't run good businesses, you know, we can't succeed. So, you know, I thought it was worth talking about even on a marketing podcast because this is an important issue for us as a community. And, I'm going to put up down here on the, uh, on the screen down here a link to the farm crisis dot uh, the National Farmers Union put up put a, a, a nice web page together that lists places to get help as well as the phone number to the uh, National Suicide Prevention Hotline and I'll, I'll put those numbers up down here but it's farmcrisis.nfu.org. And the phone number for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-TALK. And if you follow this podcast, you learn that my super secret question that I ask is, how can I help? And we as a community need to be asking that of our our friends, our neighbors, more rather than less. You know, and I started to wonder what causes this, what causes this mental health issue and the depression and the stress that, that, that farmers and ranchers, that, that they're struggling with it, what causes it? And, you know, I started, started looking at the, the things, the stressors, as they call them, the, the stressors that, that are, you know, that, that we as farmers and ranchers have to deal with because, you know, I love farming. I love my ranch and I, you know, I live for, I live for doing this stuff. It's so much fun and such a peaceful, enjoyable life, but it is stressful. It's challenging. It's hard work, but I started looking at what causes it to see if there was something easy, some easy fix to make this better. Because again, we if we're not if we're not mentally strong and sound, and we're having some issues. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. We need to ask for. We need to get help. 
and get back so we can market our farms and businesses and we can go on to succeed in life. Um, you know, so I kept looking at the causes and some of the causes, I mean, we deal with a lot as farmers. It's a very stressful business. It is a very stressful business. There are a lot of unpredictable factors that we have to deal with. And there's a lot of predictable factors that are difficult and cause a lot of stress. And, you know, you know, we'll talk about, you know, consumer expectations. Talk about, you know, from a, if you're a row cropper, you have to produce more yield per acre to meet the demand. I mean, that's hard work. It's hard to do it, uh, you know. And how about this one? The biggest one of unpredictables, the weather. You know, there's an author that I like to read. read a lot of his books. His name's Michael Crichton. Wrote some of the famous books like Jurassic Park and, um, you know, Timeline and Airframe and um, The State of Fear. And, I mean, just... Tons and tons. I mean, he wrote a bunch of great books, and he was always known for researching the science very well. Yes, they were fiction books, but he researched the science very well so his stories were plausible. And he, he did this book. He wrote this book, and at the end of his book, they, they interviewed him, and he was talking about weather and its predictability. And he said... And, and I thought it was a, a telling thing he, he talked about. Weather is, we are at the very beginning of being able to predict weather as a, as a science. And if you compare weather prediction to other sciences, for example, my father-in-law was... Uh, he was a, a, an aerospace engineer, worked for, worked on several of the, you know, the Apollo missions and the moon landings. And, you know, I mean, he was, he was, a, he was a brilliant man. If NASA were off by the percentage that weather predictions are off, they wouldn't be able to find their way to work. And yet they're able to land, uh, 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 you know, they were able to land people on the moon with an exact location of where the landing was going to happen with computers that were barely powerful enough to, you know, to give you an idea. If if you think about the computing power of the Apple Watch is probably 10 times the computing power they had to land a man on the moon in 1968. So, and I go back to weather because we are at the very infancy of being able to predict weather as a science. Now, the five-day forecast has gotten more accurate over time because we have more sensors. We have more technology at our disposal to measure it and to track it. But ask somebody, even in today's world with all of the sensors and technology, to predict the weather further than 15 days out with any degree of accuracy. The numbers by, you know, by any other mathematical or scientific definition wouldn't be a science. They're off more than they're on. Or I should say that's not right. They are off by sizable percentages in their accuracy. And so farming relies on weather. It relies on, I mean, 
the weather has such an impact on the vast majority of things that we grow. And it's unpredictable. Even scientists that study weather can't predict it with any accuracy. And then you throw in things like oh, crop disease. I mean, you know, and, and crop disease and weed pressure. Especially when the consumer is demanding crops produced with less herbicides and less chemicals. Crop disease is huge. Pesticides. Um, weed pressure. We planted, um, I don't know, 150, 170 acres of alfalfa. And we had a weed that was resistant to herbicides. 170 acres. Planted it. And I had 170 acres full of weeds. I didn't have anything to sell. Very, very stressful when you think about crop disease and, and, and weed pressure. Very stressful. Now, I am fortunate enough that that was not a business killer. But for a small farmer, it very well could have been. Cost of seed is astronomical. And I've got a good seed dealer. I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I got a great deal, but he's a good guy. And I mean, I, I did, you know, I put out the right amount of seeds, 20, you know, 15 to 20 pounds per acre, worked the ground the right way, just had a lot of weed pressure that, and the weed that was resistant to herbicides. What are you going to do? So we got with a, an agronomist and we came up with a plan and we think we got it in line for next year, but it's a whole year's worth of harvest loss. And I still had to pay my, my rent, had to pay for the seed, had to pay for the carrier for the seed, had to pay for all the fertilizer. Plus the, the plan that the agronomist came up was we still kept it mowed down and kept the weeds from going to seed head. So I still had to mow this thing every 24 days, approximately, 170 acres to mow every 24 days, just to keep the weed pressure so that we could attack this with a better plan coming into the spring. Now, and that, you know, that's just in my little case. And again, I was lucky enough that, you know, this was not a business killer. But if you were a small farmer, it very well could have been in the stress involved with that. Man. Because of our, where, you know, we farm, we have to have ground. To get ground that is available to farm, you're generally in a rural community. You're isolated from people just because of the nature of what you do. So you have that social isolation. I know for a lot of my friends, and I'm just going through a lot of the things that cause stress, and you have to imagine that these are, you know, these things, these stresses impact different people in different ways, and while... You know, some things might not bother bother a person. Another thing might, and we don't, you know, you don't know what triggers these, these stressors. But social isolation can be one. I know for most of my farmer friends, I'd just soon be alone. My, you know, I heard the old quote one day. It said, the more people I meet, the more I like my dog. But, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's It adds stress. I know for a lot of farmers, are an aging population. There are fewer and fewer young people 
going into agriculture. And so it's causing farmers to work later into life. And as farming changes, and it has made, I mean, for better or for worse, it has made massive changes in technology over the past years. And if you've been a farmer who's never had to deal with technology, all of a sudden now you have precision ag coming at you. And it can be scary. It can be scary. And not only do you have to deal with the knowledge of it, understanding it, making it applicable so you can keep your farm uh, uh, competitive and profitable, you also got to spend the money to buy it because it's not free. You know, and when you have fewer young farmers coming into farming, that means you, you, know, you don't have anybody to take over the business for you. You just got to shut it down one day and you don't want to do that. It causes stress. And, and, and I, I read an article that showed that, that and I wish I had, I, I don't have the, the, the quote for it or, or that, but it, it stated that regulations, government regulation and oversight was one of the major stressors that causes this, this, this problem we're having. And you can, there are arguments on both sides of whether government regulations are good or bad. And there, there's a whole debate on that, and we could talk for we could talk for days on regulations and whether they're good or bad overall. You know, I think, and and then you know, farmers, we are, I think, by our nature, we take responsibility for our actions. So, you know, you get a lot of self blame when you fail, when you don't know how to do something. You, we tend to blame ourselves. And all of this wrapped up causes this depression, causes this, you know, when depression and anxiety and all of these things get to a certain point and you don't feel you have any place to turn to or you have no help, you have no way out, then we, then, you know, then that, you know, people do contemplate suicide and i think that we as a as a community there are some simple things that we as a community can do to make situations better and they're they're not difficult and i think one of the big ones is asking our neighbors and our friends Hey, you doing okay? Just want to let you know I'm here if you need to talk or you need to do something. How can I help? Just let me know. The, just the act of asking if you can help helps. There are hotlines to call if you have ever thought about or know anybody who has thought about. There is no shame in asking for help. We need you here. There is, you know, there is not always a way to fix everything, but, you know, getting some help helps. We as a community need to understand that mental health issues are sometimes 
You know, there's not, there's a stigma with depression and mental health issues and things like that. There's this social stigma with it. And we need to, as a community, be more understanding and have a more open mindset to helping and understanding the challenges that, that our friends and neighbors are going through because there, but for the grace of God someday, there we could go. And I, I believe in my heart that asking for asking f- your friends and neighbors if you can help and making them know that you're there for them because we're friends, we're family, we're community. And I talked about community in the last podcast where community is common unity, the things that bring us together. We need to be there for one another. And actually, actually, honestly, truly want to help. And it is sometimes as simple and as uncomplicated as asking if you can help or, or being there to talk. I've got one of my, one of my dear friends. I consider him one of my, one of my closest friends. Had some surgery the other day. And he's a loner and hadn't talked to him in a day or two, but I ran down to the barbecue shop, got him a, got him a plate of barbecue with a side of beans and taters and some, you know, brought him some buns, barbecue sauce. He had a meal. I brought it to him and said, Hey, just thinking about you. Hope you're doing okay. Let me know if you need anything. I brought him some food and took it in, put it in the fridge for him. And, you know, I honestly think that meant something to him. But that's part of being a community and being a neighbor and being a friend. And just the act, some of those simple acts of kindness and compassion, let people that we know, let our friends and neighbors know that they are not alone. And we talk about, we just talked about one of the biggest stressors in this is isolation. And I don't know about you, but... I like being out there by myself. I like being alone. But it's good to know I'm not alone. It's good to know that if I get myself in a jam, I got friends to call on. And understanding that there's a difference between being isolated and being alone. By our jobs, we're out there by ourselves every day. We are, you know, miles away from our friends and families. We're out there in the middle of a field, sometimes doing dangerous stuff. And it's good to know that even when we're isolated and by ourselves, that we're not alone. And remember, I'm going to share this one more time because I think this is a, a very important thing that we should all be thinking about, and I am giving this away for free. My super secret patented question here is, how can I help? Because asking if we can help somebody who may be in need or may be struggling, just the act of asking if we can help and showing that we care and we're there to help if we can, helps. And with that, 
I'm going to end this one up today. I hope you have a blessed day, and I'll see you in the next one.